You are listening to a sermon brought to you by Shatter State Chi Alpha. I pray that this sermon will bless you and teach you something new today. And you can find a link to our website in the info. Check it out and shoot us a message. We would love to hear from you. All right, let's go ahead and get into the scripture address right off the bat. 1 Kings 4, 29 through 34. God gave Solomon wisdom and very, <clears throat> and very great insight, and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sands on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the East, and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else, including Ethan the Ezraite, wiser than Heman also, Kalkal and Darda, the sons of Mahal. And his fame spread to all... Can I get you to turn me down just a little bit, Matt? Okay, verse uh, 32. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs numbered 1,005. He spoke about plant life from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the walls. He also spoke about animals and birds and reptiles and fish. From all nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom, sent by all the kings in the world who had heard of his wisdom. First Kings ten fourteen through 22 Solomon's great wealth. Now that weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 666 talents of gold, 15 besides that which came from the explorers, from the businesses and the merchants, and from the kings of the west and from the governors of the land. King Solomon made 200 large shields beaten of beaten gold. 600 shekels of gold went into each, and he made 3,000 shields of beaten gold. Three minus of gold went into each shield, and the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. The king also made a great ivory throne and overlaid it with the finest gold. The throne had six steps and the throne had a round top. And on each side of the seat were armrests and two lions standing beside the armrests, while twelve lions stood there on each end of the steps on the six steps. The like of it was never made in any kingdom. All King Solomon's drinking vessels were gold, and all vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. None were silver. Silver was considered as anything was not considered as anything in the days of Solomon for the king had a fleet of ships of Tar- at Tarshish at sea with the fleet of Huram once every three years the fleet of ships of Tar- uh, Tarshish used to come to bring gold silver ivory apes and peacocks did you start the recording on the okay thank you uh, first kings 2 1 through 4 when the time drew near for David to die he gave a charge to Solomon his son I'm about to go the way of all the earth, he said. So be strong, act like a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands and his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you go and that the Lord may keep his promise to me. If your descendants watch how they live and if they walk faithfully before me with all of their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. All right. I had one correct guess so far. Anybody have any guesses? They just want to shoot out real quick. What? Iron Man? Correct. So two luck two or two correct guesses. All right, it was it was Iron Man. All right, let's get started. So It hurts. <laughs> Just kidding. All right, let's go. 
All right, Anthony Edward Stark is the son of the wealthy industrialist and head of Stark Industries. Howard Stark and Maria Stark, a boy genius, he entered MIT at the age of 15 to study engineering and received a master's degree in engineering and physics. After his parents are killed in a car accident, he inherits his father's company at a very early age. Not unlike King Solomon, who inherited the kingdom of Israel around the age 20 from his father, King David. Which that in itself is kind of awesome uh, comparison between King David and Howard Stark. They both were powerful men who built up their businesses or their kingdoms to, to a formidable level and then passed them on to their more than capable sons who exceeded even their own abilities and intellect. And both having died before they could see the true potential of what their lives had started. I just picture Howard Stark uh, in Iron Man 2, if you guys have seen it, and he's passing on a shell of information to Tony from beyond the grave so that Tony can eventually create a new element. And so along with everything else, compared to King David passing on his wealth and kingdom to Solomon, who eventually goes on to build the temple that David was never able to. And so there's a lot of comparisons even to King David and uh, um, Howard Stark as well. But back to Tony Stark. Tony Stark is a wealthy American businessman, and he's an ingenious scientist who suffers a severe chest injury during a kidnapping. When his captors attempt to force him to build a weapon of mass destruction, he instead creates a powerful suit of armor to save his life and escape captivity. Later, Stark develops his suit, adding weapons and other technological devices he designed through his company, Stark Industries. He uses the suit in successful versions um, to protect the world as Iron Man. I just pictured from the scripture we had, uh, Solomon taking the golden shields, making the golden shields in the same way that Tony Stark was making all of his Iron Man suits, and, uh, and he's especially in Iron Man 3. But there's been 49 different Iron Man suits that we've visually seen in all of the Avengers series, 49. And so I picture Solomon building golden shields, which are basically worthless. They're just there because he wanted to build them in the same way that Iron Man's built 49 suits. There's really no reason for him to have built 49 plus because we've only seen 49 of them. So Tony Stark is an inventive genius who is regarded as one of the most intelligent characters and wisest characters in the Marvel Universe. Much like King Solomon, who is regarded as the wisest man to have ever lived or ever will live. Yes, that means King Solomon was much wiser than you or I. And so Stark is well respected in the business world. He is able to command people's attention when he speaks on economic matters and has over the years built up several multi-million dollar companies from virtually nothing. He is noted for the loyalty he commands from and returns to those who work for him, as well as for his business ethics. Tony, Stark, <clears throat> excuse me, Tony Stark's net worth estimations are set around the 12 to $20 billion mark, compared to King Solomon's net worth, net worth which would have been over $2.1 trillion. As I said, trillion. That would have made King Solomon worth a hundred times more than even Tony Stark, as wealthy as, as wealthy as Tony Stark is. And while doing my research, I figured this out. So if you take the 20 richest people that exist on earth today, the 20 richest people who exist on earth today, and you combine all of their net worths and then double it, that's how much money Solomon was worth. 
Not Israel, just King Solomon was worth double what the top 20 people on earth are worth today. And just let you let that sink in a moment. And so now, just like Tony Stark, Solomon inherited something that was already great when he got it. As in Stark Industries was already running, was already successful, was already worth millions, if not billions of dollars. King Solomon inherited something that was already working well when he got it. He was, uh, he inherited, he became the king of a nation that was completely set apart. It had no debt whatsoever. It was prosperous and it was at peace because of what David, David was able to do during his reign as king. He was able to hand over a nation debtless, prosperous, and at peace. And so if that's not an awesome enough situation to be born into on top of it all, God appeared and approached Solomon in a dream and said, Hey, Solomon, I'm going to give you one thing. Whatever you want, whatever you can dream of, one thing. I'm going to give you one thing. What is it? It's like literally he was granted a wish of one thing. And so not only did he inherit this amazing kingdom, this awesome opportunity, he also had God. I mean, could you just imagine God coming to you and say, hey, I'm going to grant you one wish no matter, it doesn't matter. Nothing will be turned down. Whatever you want, you get one wish and I will give it to you, period. No questions, no tricks. It's yours. Like some people I can imagine, maybe even here, I remember when I was in college, you know, you want to be rich. You want to find your spouse, you want to um, maybe even think of something selfless a little bit and you'd want to have the money or the organization in order to build houses for the homeless or something like that. No matter what you might ask, Solomon's request topped it. His request from God was he asked for the wisdom. He asked for wisdom in order to raise his people in order to lead his country in order to lead Israel he asked for wisdom I think that's such an interesting request because he could have asked for anything he could have asked for wealth he could have asked for um, power he could have asked for authority he could have asked for anything he could have asked for the ability to lead the country for 50 years but instead he asks for the wisdom wisdom and so um, I think it's interesting because it takes wisdom to recognize that you even need wisdom. So he was already wise as a king even before he was granted wisdom from God. And so that just made him just an insanely wise, wise person. And so I want to take a moment and I want to make a quick distinction between wisdom and intellect. I want to take a moment and and make a distinction between wisdom and intellect. Intellect is the ability to take a test and pass it. Wisdom is actually studying for that class and taking care of homework ahead of time so that you don't have to cram for a test and then pray that God will help you pass it even though you spent all of your time on Netflix instead of studying. Or intelligence is knowing that Frankenstein was a doctor, was the doctor. Wisdom is knowing that Frankenstein was the monster. Take you a second. Get it? If you don't, think about it. Intelligence is knowing it is a one-way street. Wisdom is still looking both ways before crossing. Intelligence is knowing that your wife is wrong. 
but wisdom is deciding not to argue with her. And last but not least, intelligence is to see the corruption in society. Wisdom is to see the corruption in yourself. Or intelligence is to see the things wrong around you, but wisdom is to recognize the things wrong within yourself. So let's move on. I could do those all night. I was looking them up for like an hour. So back to the story at hand. Solomon asked for wisdom from God. And the reason he asked is really awesome in my opinion. The reason he asked for wisdom, and like I said, you have to have wisdom to ask for wisdom, but the reason he asked for wisdom was so that he could be a good leader to his people. That is an awesome, awesome request in my mind. So Solomon is off to this great start, much like Tony Stark was, off to a great start, set up for success. As Christians, we often will recognize that wisdom comes when we are able to humble ourselves and admit our need for God's help and guidance. Prideful people often won't recognize this or at least won't admit this. But the truth is that even our greatest wisdom pales in comparison to God's. 1 Corinthians 1.25 puts it, The foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. So, truly wise people like Solomon are wise in that they trust God's perspective on everything and that they know that uh, He knows more than we could ever know and how to best to live. He knows better than we know. Wise people know that God's perspective on our lives is better than theirs. He is above us. He sees and knows all. And so in order to be, to be wise, in order for us to be wise, we have to be constantly seeking Him for guidance and wisdom and knowledge to face all of our decisions. And so as a result, as a wise man, Solomon asked for wisdom. And then God was so impressed with Solomon's request that he said, Hey, Solomon, I'm, you asked for an awesome, noble thing. And so uh, you didn't ask for money and you didn't ask for power uh, and, or fame or any of that. So because you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you the wisdom, but I'm also going to give you the other things as well. So God gives Solomon on top of wisdom. He also gives him immeasurable wealth and immeasurable fame. And he continued to look to God for guidance and for wisdom. Excuse me. If Solomon continued to look to God for guidance and wisdom, then he would also give Solomon a long life. And so Solomon used his wisdom to build. As I said before, um, he was an insanely wealthy, wealthy man. And the nation of Israel at this time was seeing insane growth in their finances. And so he guided, and I said it before, he guided the construction of the first temple. David was unable to do so, but he had amassed some of the materials. And so Solomon got together, and it took him seven years and 180,000 workers using the materials that David had gathered to build the temple, build the first temple for the Jews. And just as he promised, God gave Solomon wealth, and he gave him fame. And that wealth and that fame financed the construction of a 
just immeasurable. I can't even really put a number on it. There's an immeasurable amount of facilities and buildings and temples and tricked out chariots and all kinds of things. He was able to do what really, in in reality, when you look at it, it dwarfed even what the Egyptians were able to do in the time when the Jews were slaves. He built this massive fortress, this massive country, this massive uh, united Israel. And so the issue of our story, and as it goes on, it's it's a cool story, but eventually uh, Solomon stopped acting on his wisdom. Slowly but surely, Solomon is this wise, literally the, it says that he was wiser than anyone that lived or would live. And so he was wiser than anybody in this room, combined probably. But yet he still stopped acting on that wisdom and began to make mistakes. His first mistake was taking multiple wives. And when I say multiple, I'm not talking about 10 or 100. He took 700 wives and 300 concubines. This dude had a thousand women in his life influencing him. And these weren't just regular old women. These 700 wives were princesses of other nations. So he took these wives, these princesses who served other gods and married them for influence. His thought was, if I marry the princess from these countries, I will inherit some of the wealth, some of the authority, some of the power, and there will be a mutual agreement between our countries. And so he's literally the prince or the king of 700 princesses. That's insane to me. And 300 concubines. This is the wisest dude of all time. Yeah, he does this. I, the Bible never really does describe, in my opinion, the, the right answer for me. Because I feel like I just need to know the answer. I need to know the exact description. I need the Bible to write out and say, this is why Solomon was an idiot in this decision part. Like, this is the wisest man ever, yet he makes such an epic mistake. I mean, he was able to build the temple that David wasn't able to. And then he asked God for more wisdom. Like, this is a a wise dude that a lot was going well for him. And so, what happened? How did we get from point A to 700 wives? Like, that's a big leap, in my opinion. But then, not only did he take 700 wives he eventually began to worship their gods as well. And so he allowed his princess wives to influence him. But that's the thing about life. That's the thing about us. That's the thing about our walk with God. No things that are going well fall rapidly when it comes to God. Our fall is almost always gradual. In our walk with God, if we're going to fall away from Him, it's never instantaneous. It's always gradual. It's always a process. I'm sure you probably heard, and I don't even know if this is actually true, but it's an old wives' tale that I think is 
pretty well known, but if you put a frog into a pot of boiling water, the frog will jump out of the pot. But if you put a frog in a pan of lukewarm water, he'll sit there content. And as you increase heat slowly, the frog won't be able to recognize that the temperature is getting too hot to live until it's boiling and he's dead. That's exactly what happened to Solomon. He didn't immediately just boom, I'm going to stop serving God and I'm going to serve other gods. It was a slow, gradual process. And it probably started when he took his second wife. And then his third wife. And then his fourth wife. And we could do this 700 times because he took 700 wives. But that should be more shocking than I think it really is. 700 wives. like, And 300 concubines. That's like... The amount of students that live on the Shattern State College campus, like Solomon was married to them. Like, do you know all the names of everybody that lives on the Shattern State College campus? Exactly. This dude was married to them. All right. <clears throat> so like I said before, the princesses from other nations didn't worship God. It almost says that they all uh, worshipped a different God, a false God. And so Solomon, in his wisdom, thought that marrying princesses would set up his kingdom for success. In his wisdom, he thought what he was doing was probably one of the most genius things ever. I mean, if you think about it in a tactical point of view, if you don't recognize the the fallacies with it, but you just see the, maybe the military importance of marrying the wives or uh, marrying the princesses of 700 nations, it, it makes sense. But when you actually think about the practicality of it and what it means to your relationship with God specifically, because they worship other, uh, other gods and false idols, let alone what God said about not being a man of many wives, like, you can see how there might have been wisdom there because obviously he was a wise dude. And so after 20 or 30 years worth of being a king, marrying all kinds of people, eventually, let's say, the, the pot got too hot for Solomon. And he found himself worshiping and building temples to other gods. So he's responsible for building the first temple to God, but he's also responsible for building temples to false gods. He built more temples to false gods than he did to God as the king of Israel, of united Israel. And so I can tell you as a pastor who has watched many people walk away from their faith, walk away from Christianity, that not a single one of them said, hey, tonight I'm going to go ahead and wake up in jail. Or, you know what, I'm going to get addicted to alcohol. Or, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get pregnant tonight. Like, it all started with a process of bad decisions. And it all started with a little bit of sin here. And then it added to a little bit of sin there. And then it turned into insert situation here. And so... For example, just to, to go into the dating and relationship part that I need to do yearly, we're going to talk briefly about it because Solomon obviously didn't understand it. 
But <clears throat> don't date people who don't have a faith in Jesus Christ. Like, your faith in Jesus should be important enough that you don't date people who don't love Jesus. And then, on top of that, if you're not in a relationship, stop flirting around with everybody because you're going to hurt more than just yourself. And then lastly, seriously, save yourself for marriage. It's worth it on so many levels because as a man who didn't, I can tell you that it would have been worth it for me to uh, wait till marriage specifically. But I wasn't a Christian until I was 22. I made a lot of dumb decisions. And I can tell you that there are a lot of good reasons for you to save yourself for marriage. And I can't think of a single solitary good reason that you can come up with to not save yourself for marriage. If you could come up with one reason of why you shouldn't or, or won't save yourself for marriage, that is absolutely wrong. Because I cannot, for the life of me, come up with one legit reason to not save yourself for marriage. And I can come up with a million reasons, but one most important reason, because God said so for you to save yourself from marriage. And just to prove that point just a little bit more, because it's that dating and relationship sermon for a few seconds, the University of Wisconsin has reported that people who live together before getting married and then get married have a 75% divorce rate. They have also found out that only 15 out of every 100 cohabiting couples, couples who are living together before marriage, will be married 10 years from now. Secular research has found this information out. As Christians, if even the secular world is starting to recognize how dangerous it is to live with people before you get married to them, to have a cohabiting relationship, to have sex before you get married, then the Christian world better wake up and recognize it. And so I'm off my marriage and relationship tangent. If you have not made that decision for yourself, I strongly do encourage you to consider it and to pray about it. And so even Solomon comes to his sense, uh, eventually comes to his senses. And he realizes that he should have followed God's advice and he should have done it God's way. The problem is it's too little too late. And we get some awesome pieces of information. We get this awesome wisdom from Solomon in Ecclesiastes and a lot of Proverbs are written by him. And so I want to encourage you guys. Uh, you guys don't have school tomorrow, so read some Ecclesiastes tomorrow. There is so much wisdom that we can learn from Solomon from what he learned from his mistakes. And so, as one insanely wise man who screwed up, it's important for us to learn from his mistakes. It's important for us to not go, hey, I'm wiser than he was, because guess what? You're not. Scripture is very clear, you're not. And so, if it happened to him, then it can happen to any one of us in here. We can make crucial mistakes. And so the Lord had originally blessed Solomon beyond imagination. But as we said, he strayed from the Lord's direction. And then the Lord warned him not to marry women from other countries or religions because it would draw him away from the Lord. Women 
specifically for Solomon, women who served other gods were his downfall. He built altars, as I said, to their gods to keep them happy and then eventually join in the worship with them. And Solomon's poor decisions angered God. And so God then appeared to Solomon two different times to turn back to him in the same way that he appeared to him in the first dream. He appeared to him two different times and said, Solomon, you're straying, man. Dude, you need to come back. You need to wake up. You need to stop this. And Solomon didn't respond. He stayed stuck in his sin, stuck in his rebellion. And so what happened is the consequences were severe. And as we do know, Solomon does eventually wise up later in life because of the fact that he wrote Ecclesiastes and Proverbs. But it's unfortunate that things had to be taken away from him in order to recognize what God had blessed him with. And so again, don't take God's blessings for granted in your life. But the Lord removed the United Kingdom of Israel from Solomon's family. If you guys don't, the United Kingdom of Israel was all of Israel before it was broken up into Judah and Israel. And so God broke it up, broke up the United Kingdom of Israel um, because of what God had promised David. Not because of Solomon, not because of anything that he promised Solomon or anything that Solomon did, but because of a promise God made to David, um, God allowed Solomon's family to be in rule and to be the kings over Judah, over uh, southern Israel. And so Solomon's tribe is able to rule over two of the 12 tribes. So he's now their tribe is the king of two of the 12 tribes of Israel, meaning that 10 tribes broke off and went north or uh, broke off and started the northern Israel or what is in most often later on in scripture beyond kings known as Israel. And so Solomon literally broke up the kingdom of Israel because of his mistakes. And as a result, the Lord would remove the kingdom from Solomon's son then. And so in concluding today, the, the story of Solomon in, in, in our comparison with Tony Stark, I know I didn't quite talk about Tony Stark throughout the sermon as much because I wanted to get and unpack all of Solomon's life um, a, as quickly as I could because there's a lot of information there and it's tough to pack it into a half-hour sermon without turning it into something that I am teaching you for 50, 45 uh, plus minutes. But I wanted to unpack as much of that as possible. But you see in, in Tony Stark's arc that he makes a lot of bad decisions. He's messing around with a ton of different girls. He gets uh, addicted to his, um, his Iron Man suits. It messes up his life. Eventually, he does a lot of damage without ruining the movies for Princess because she still hasn't watched them all. Um, it's your fault I don't talk about it as much as I'd want to. No, I'm just kidding. But Tony Stark does a lot of damage because of he's serving himself or he's not listening to his wisdom or he's not listening to God. Solomon does the same thing. He causes a lot of damage because he wasn't willing to recognize God's redirection, God's conviction, God's pointing him towards something else because he was basing everything within his own wisdom. And that's the problem is, even as the wisest man who ever lived, he's still man, he's still making mistakes, 
but he was confident enough in his own wisdom that he didn't think he needed to listen to God. Because obviously God tried to redirect him. He didn't listen. And so what Solomon teaches us and, and tries to teach us later on in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes is he's trying to tell us to not waste our time on our worldly pursuits. I mean, it really comes down to that. He's basically saying, stop with your worldly pursuits and continuously seek God above all else. Because nothing else in the end is worth it. Because as Solomon had everything, he had more money than, like I said, the top 20 richest people on earth today combined doubled. He had anything you could dream of, at least back then. He had it all. <clears throat> and yet, even having everything that the world could offer him, he still recognizes and comes to the conclusion that it's all worthless if we're not seeking God first and foremost with our lives. And so my lesson to you and is the same today as Solomon's lesson to us. Learn from his mistakes and don't live your life for yourself. Don't live your life pursuing things for yourself to build up uh, wealth or intelligence or wisdom. Live for God. Realize God has everything to offer you. And then, if God convicts you and He warns you and He tries to correct you, actually listen to that voice. Listen to God redirecting you. Pay attention to convictions from God. Because Solomon didn't. And his lesson is, you need to. Because even if Solomon had made all of the mistakes that he made, when God came to him and said, you need to stop, if he'd have just listened, then none of the issues that ended up coming about to Israel would have happened. Israel would have, well, at least through his reign and his family's reign, United Israel would have stayed united. Israel wouldn't have been broken up into two different countries. It wouldn't have made literally everything that comes after this story in Kings so confusing because it's talking about two totally different nations and still talking about the Jews. It would have made my life easier in reading the Bible at the very least if he had just listened to God's correction. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today and we thank you for the opportunity to learn. Um, God, we thank you for the lessons that we can learn from Solomon. That um, there's so much wisdom that Solomon's life and consequences can teach us, but not only that, but the things that Solomon learned later in life. And so, Lord, I pray that we are able to receive those lessons. Lord, that we're able to take those lessons and, and really drive them home in our own hearts. Lord, that we would never be so confident that we ignore Your direction and we ignore Your convictions. Lord, I pray that we could seek after You for our wisdom, 
daily. And Lord, that uh, that you would continue to pull us closer to you. Lord, I thank you for what Jesus did on the cross. And that it's not about our past mistakes. It's not about our screw-ups. But Lord, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we're redeemed. We're made whole. And so Lord, help us to live in that redemption. Help us to live closer to you. Lord, we love you and we thank you. Amen. All right, well, I know that probably turned out a little different than you thought it would because it turned out way differently than I thought it would when I was writing it. But Solomon's lessons are awesome. I've spent more time reading about Solomon in ancient uh, Israel and Judah than uh, I've probably spent in the New Testament in the last few years. Um, there was an entire year where God basically told me I needed to study the Old Testament because there's so much wisdom. There's so much uh, truth that still applies to us as Christians within the Old Testament because Jesus said that the entire Old Testament is good for teaching and rebuking. And so we need to be careful to take the Old Testament seriously. Um, as important, and I, and I do feel that the New Testament, because of what it talks about with Jesus, is of the utmost important for us as Christians to read. And if you've never read the Bible, you need to start there in the New Testament. But there's still so much awesome truth in the Old Testament. And so if we can pair our redemption in Jesus Christ and our cleanliness in Jesus with the teachings of the Old Testament, then it really sets us up for even more success than Solomon had. Because ultimately, that's Solomon comes to the conclusion that it wasn't about the wealth. His life, as awesome as the wealth was, it wasn't about that. And it shouldn't have been about that. Solomon's pretty much straight up telling us he would have rather just lived a life as a poor man who sought after God and loved God and lived his life for God than have been as rich as he was. And so, how silly of us to not take his word seriously and recognize the importance of us to live our life for God and not to live our life for our careers, not to live our life for our money, not to live our life for the things that we can amass around us, but instead live our life for God. And so I encourage you guys, as you guys go out and you've got snow days, um, which are awesome, Take a moment, take a, a, an extra half hour and spend time with God on those snow days and then have fun. I'm not saying you can't have fun with your friends or anything like that. I'm saying just take a couple, of, take an extra half hour each of the mornings, huh? Be safe, get some extra sleep, princess. And uh, we'll see you guys next week.